Welcome everybody to the Breathe Better podcast. I'm your host, Sienna Smith, and I'm so happy to be here with an amazing guest who has been in the health, fitness, and an advocate for well-being on all levels for many decades. And I want to first say, Marilyn Preston, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. And congratulations on your publication of the second edition of All Is Well, The Art and Science of Personal Well-Being. Thank you. It's a number one bestseller, and I can see why, because it's not only funny, but it has amazing insights and strategies on living a happy, healthy life. And who doesn't want that right now during this COVID time? You've been at this health and fitness thing for a long time. Back in the 70s, you were a journalist for the Chicago Tribune, and you created a fitness wellness column that became nationally syndicated and ran in dozens of papers around the country. And at 40 years running, it was America's longest fitness column. So amazing. And then that wasn't enough for you. So then you left the Chicago Tribune, right? And then you wanted to go even uh, bite off a bigger apple and go into TV. So then you went in to produce a national syndicated TV series on sports, fitness, and adventure. That actually sounds really fun. I love that you threw in the adventure part. Um, I love adventure. And that was called Energy Express, and that won two Emmys. So you have a long string of successes and research and connections with all kinds of experts. And I want to really honor that because your book is coming from a place of all of this experience that you've had over all these decades watching Americans, in particular, navigate this thing called health and how our health system has changed and how we have changed and what can we do now where we find (laughs) ourselves in the place we're in right now. So I wanna dive right into this. Um, Do you wanna say anything specific about your book? And I wanna show it to everybody here, this beautiful book, um, before we get started. um, I guess I just wanna say it's a second edition the COVID edition, because of what you just said, what we're all going through now. Where are we with this? So much confusion and fear still. So so um, I realized, so five years ago, the first edition came out and I wrote about personal well-being and kind of what it takes to get there. And how do you get on the path and start where you are? Advice, five years ago, personal well-being was under threat, but nothing, nothing like what we are all experiencing now on a global level in our face, so many different heightened crises, health and war, and anyway, we're in a pickle. (laughs) So I guess what I wanted to say about this book is um, we we have to recognize we're all going through something and it's okay to kind of reevaluate and figure out what's your best way through this? How do you adapt? and survive. The government's not going to save you. Nothing's going to save you. There are things to help protect you and help you get through. But self-care is the best care. So I want to kind of say that's the kind of bookends the book. (laughs) Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. And thank you for highlighting self-care in this edition. Not that you didn't before, but I think that you took a marker and you bolded it in big, dark underline. So Marilyn, you start off in your book with things you learned in COVID times. And I want to highlight this because number one, I like the first thing that you say. And also, I think that these tips will give, be a guidepost for our conversation, as well as offer insights to people as what they can do during these COVID times, so what they should be aware of. So number one, you say, breathing better saves lives. Number two, you say write stuff down because self, uh, especially your self-care practices. And I'm curious if that has some accountability in there. Um, Self-care is not a political issue. So many things have become a political issue. Number four, there are angels in the world. I love that one. Number five, certain healthcare policies make no sense. In fact, they're destructive. 
that's an interesting toe to dip our, our feet into. Um, Self-care is not selfish, nor just for rich people. So let's go back to the first one. Breathing better saves lives. Can you talk about that and how you got into breathing and why it made such an impact on you? Yes, and thank you for reading them because those are the six reasons and why I did a second edition. I mean, like why do, um, because they were things I learned during COVID that were just remarkable, the, the veils fell. Anyway, so yes, and my the first one, what I learned is breathing better saves lives because I really feel it saved my life. <laughs> Let me tell you why. I'm old <laughs> and when, and the winter before COVID announcements became public, let's say in March, that was when people were ready. I had a few months before I had had pneumonia um, and I was in a very vulnerable state. I knew it. I've always had, I think in my, maybe my weak part of my body could be my lungs. I had like pleurisy when I was in college, you know, but it never kept me, it, ne it never turned to anything. But anyway, I'd had pneumonia and took antibiotics, got, got out of it, but then COVID hit. And all the advice really that we were hearing from our public facing officials, medical officials, was, you know, stay home at that point, even masks, but, you know, stay home, social distance. And when you get really sick, come to the hospital. You know what? That didn't sound good enough for me. I know when by, you know, you have to, you had to hit it hard. You had to do something at the beginning of COVID to treat symptoms. And so, um, one of the, so here I am with vulnerable lungs, COVID's going to the lungs. What am I going to do? And I knew about nasal breathing because I'm a yogi and truth to tell, full disclosure, Sienna is one of my favorite and best yoga teachers ever. You know, just so thank you. Thank you. Um, well, it's it's been so important to me. So I, you know, what am I going to do to take care of myself while we're waiting for people to save us, for the vaccines to save us, or medical doctors? And no one was saving us. So I turned to breathing and began to study. My I took a three month deep dive with Ed Harold. It was a course I took, um, and as. I knew as a yogi that breathing in and out of the nose was important when you're on the mat and, you know, in the, and hear the sound of the ocean, the ujjayi breathing. And over many, many years of practice, I had a good sense of that. And it was, I could embody that breathing technique for an hour, an hour and a half, but I never thought to take it off the mat. How stupid was I? And it's a reason why in the second edition, now I have a whole new, uh, one entirely new chapter is on nasal breathing. So I um, studied and found out that nasal breathing is unlike mouth breathing, which most of us do. Um, I luckily had the benefit of having you as a teacher emphasizing nasal breathing, but also James Nestor came out with a book called Breath. And we all, I think we, it was just an eye-opening look from a very respected journalist. And it's, it is a phenomenal bestseller. I bought many copies for people. I know, I know Sienna keeps it there on her pile. It was a, and so I, and the things I learned, I put into my book, which are why nasal breathing is so powerful. And in fact, breathing in your nose and even out of your mouth is counterproductive for personal well-being and better health. Nasal, it's, it's, it has its uses and we don't want to get caught up in the weeds here, but the advantages of breathing in and out of your nose are phenomenal. They're too good to be true. And yet I experienced them and it made me want to write about them in the book. I can absolutely see why. And from a average American standpoint, why do not more people know about breathing through the nose? This is a wonderful question and a big frustration for me as I was 
prepare as I was writing the book, because I did go, once I was learning the things about nasal breathing, like it produces nitric oxide, which dilates your lung tissue. It, um, the number one thing it did for me, because the list is long, is it helped me downregulate my overactive, stressed out nervous system, the, the sympathetic nervous system, which we is making all of us really crazy. We have every symptom and indicator of rising mental health issues and imbalances and stress and depression. It's all being noticed. What isn't being, <laughs> um, what isn't being taught people in the way it should is, okay, well, how do you balance that out? Well, you do have a parasympathetic nervous system and there are ways and that you can downregulate it to go into it so that your brain gets the message. Wait a minute, you're safe. You're really, you're, the tiger is not chasing you. You are safe. And once your brain feels safe, every other system in your body is impacted in a good way. So uh, as I say, the people have written long, long books on this. Um, uh, Conscious Breathing is another, um, and Ed Harold's own book, Life with Breath. You can get tons of information, but back to your very good question, because I wish I had a good answer. The answer that comes back to me is not pretty. Um, yeah, why did our public health system fail people in that way? They did so many wonderful things. Um, but they failed to tell people that you can calm down with some nasal breathing. You can also help your lungs exchange gases better, get more oxygen, makes your lungs more nimble, dilates the tissue with nitric oxide. So there are things people could be doing at home while waiting, you know, to see what happens. So the frustration, I, I did, I'm a journalist. I spoke to some people about this, um, for instance, and I won't name him, but he was a big shot in pulmonary medicine at a leading medical center in the country. He held a high office for organized pulmonologists, very smart guy and a yogi. And I told him, I said, you know, these breath, simple breathing exercises, why, why aren't, they telling people about it. They're telling about it. And he said, if, yes, Marilyn, I know what you're saying. And he read the book and it, yes, there's some benefits, but I would get tremendous pushback from my colleagues if I started to talk about these techniques and these exercises. It was not the protocol that was discussed publicly and I guess not even privately. So that was very disappointing to me, extremely disappointing. Um, and you know what, it, I mean, the frustration, you are someone, Sienna, who is working every day with people, not only who aren't breathing properly, but they're not moving properly or enough. So you, you get a big triple dose of frustration, I would guess. How do you, how do you handle it? As wellness, healthcare, uh, let's just say well-being advocates, really first and foremost, to speak not only of our own connection to movement and breath, but then how to encourage, inspire, educate others in that role. You being a journalist and me being in a, a yoga therapist and being sort of in the trenches working with people on a daily basis. Yes. I've also started at a physical therapy clinic here in San Francisco Bay Area as a physical therapy aide. And this is becoming even more apparent in the Western medical model and seeing how people are navigating the healthcare system. So I think it's a big issue. And the Wait, number more, one- It is becoming more apparent. That, well, because I think you're in such a frontline position now and seeing the, the walking wounded. <laughs> What is more apparent, do you believe? What's becoming more apparent in, to me is this disconnect between breathing, holistic practices, and what's being prescribed by medical and healthcare professionals. So what's being prescribed is not so much breathing, not holistic practices. They're much more specific to 
pharmaceuticals, injectables, um, outside sources for help rather than inside sources for help. And so yoga being an inside resource, breathing being an inside resource, meaning you have it with you 24 seven, you don't need anything from the outside. This has been yoga's point of view all along. And so I think we are going upstream in not only fighting with the healthcare model, which is broken, severely broken, but we're also fighting with the mapping with the history, the longtime history of what, where we have, what we have grown up with, what we are digesting all around us in terms of media, in terms of examples, in terms of who are these experts and not questioning what the source of their background, the source of their motivation, the source of their education, where perspective that they're coming from and being able to question those sources of information and see what's really right for us. So we've lost touch with ourselves. We've also lost touch with this perspective of what health really is, what and also where health, wellness, and well-being and happiness actually come from. Where does that come from? Yes. yes. So we're swimming upstream, Marilyn. We <laughs> so- are. Um, it, it is true. And every everything you, the failure of the system, the broken system, as you've well described it, is not new. In the 70s, when I, it's one of the reasons I started the column in the 70s, because all of the mainstream medical advice was all about pills and surgeries and doctors knew nothing and still don't know very little about uh, food and healing and the effect of nutrients on the body. They just, they don't even bother to teach it to them in medical school, which is such a ridiculous, talk about a disconnect. So that's one thing. And, and so that, that broken system existed in the seventies. It's why I wanted to write a column about prevention and holistic health. And now it's all these years later. And I know it's in a way, it's still horrible, but it's so much better than it was. That's all all I can say is if you are a wise consumer of healthcare, there is a system out there that must be navigated. Uh, And there is a parallel system that is much wider it's complementary medicine. It's the best of the West. It's the best of the East. You you can't wish away a bad hip. You know you you can't visualize it away. So there are miracles of surgery. I'm not anti-surgery or anti anything. I am pro intentional self care because the system is a for profit system. We know this after decades. Uh, it's not even an expose anymore. It's, we know pharmaceutical companies have an undue influence on our doctors and our hospitals. We know it. We don't have to prove it. We just have to find the best way through it. And I must say, yoga became my yoga and breathing saved me going back to our that earlier issue i don't know how i would have come through COVID without it and now thanks to everything and unnamed forces as well i feel um strong and healthy and my immune system is better than it was before COVID because i've had the time and curiosity to do this investigation and it's available to anyone to, you know, if you start slow and you, you know, so better, but it's, um, the system is kind of rigged against us. So it takes curiosity and good support system and good teachers. And then you've got to do the work of your own work, inner work of getting on the mat, taking that time to downregulate. You know, uh, breathing and nasal breathing works like gravity. You don't even have to, it just works. You just do it and it works. And you can find out why later. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I agree with you that there are more resources, there is more information out there. 
there's more people talking about this. It is getting woven into more of the mainstream. And yet we are still going upstream, but it's becoming, and one thing you, your book points out, it's becoming a, an advocacy for yourself with intentional healthcare, learning how to really investigate, like you said, be curious and advocate for your own health in terms of, you know, the resources are out there. The research is now out there. Um, decades now of research on breathing that proves its efficacy. So it is having a hard time making it into the Western model, model, but books like yours, where you yourself didn't really have a lot on the breathing in the first um, edition, you did, but not focused on it. And now here it is in your book, front and center, plain as day. Um, And I'm so happy to see that people like you are now doing a redo, doing a reset and acknowledging this gift that we all have in our back pocket. So thank you for adding that. And what do you think people can do to advocate for themselves, to increase their curiosity? Do you have any suggestions for people to sort of break that that mindset that we have of when anything goes wrong, go to the doctor. What else can we do here, Marilyn? Well, you know what? Behavior change is hard. I think maybe it's one of the reasons why none of our doctors did talk to us about boosting your own immune system. I just want to say during this time of COVID, they could have told people, yeah, you have an immune system and it will respond very well to more rest, get more sleep. It will respond to simple, moderate exercise, get out, whether it's indoors, outdoors. It will respond to eating better food, a healthier food, real food. So they, we, there's no dispute about these uh, behaviors. Now, to the essence of what you're saying. Why aren't people doing more of it? Well, that, you know, part of it is a kind of self-education, but community education. It is um, people of color in COVID that had suffered more. People who are of reduced circumstances um, suffered much more, we know from COVID, because they don't necessarily have access to real food in their area. So there, there are reasons why things have happened the way they've happened. But the only way out of it, I think, in our lifetime, because the system hasn't changed. I've been, I wrote that column for 43 years, Sienna. And now I continue to track on it because I, you know, now I'm doing books and well, whatever other writing, journalistic writing. So I keep up with it. Um, and it's just enormously frustrating. So we take, we don't look to outsiders for the answers. There are helpers, there are angels. We begin to educate ourselves and we begin with our own bodies. I, I think this idea of slowing it down and just standing, take your shoes off, take your socks off, and see if you can feel the four points on the bottom of your feet. Just start there. If you can't, then you are disconnected from your body and you can reconnect. There are ways to reconnect. And you, you know, you are the teacher of all of this. And how to make people want to do that? Wow, that is a great question. I studied to be a coach. Um, I, I think you, you could do coaching as well. Don't? Yes. And um, because it's all about behavior change. How, why, how do we get people to adopt healthier behaviors? And the only answer that seems to make sense is it has to come from them. They have to want it. They can't be told what to do. Your doctor can't, your doctor can tell you, well, exercise and sleep more and eat better food. But if you don't want that for yourself, it probably won't happen, sadly. Absolutely. That intrinsic motivation, yes. that yearning, that desire to be um, healthier. I think a lot of people don't realize how good 
their bodies, their breath, their mind even are designed to feel. We've just gone so far away from that. And breathing really helps us become aware of the gem that we, that we have, this vessel. So I have a, another question for you regarding well, before we saying. leave this question, where your question went to the essence of what we're talking about, because our conversation is designed to help guide other people to take that step. So I'm curious about what you've learned about what makes someone a success at adopting these new behaviors. And they're simple and they don't take a lot of time. And they're and and they're not running marathons. They're lying on your back or standing on a mat and making small, subtle, somatic movements, little millimeters, as you like to say. You know, just move that diaphragm. What is it, centimeters or millimeters? Four centimeters, you know. Centimeters. That's where your power and your health can come from. So yeah. what have you learned? So this is what my next question was about. And it does tie into what we were talking about the importance of this. And you mentioned above all else, you say you learned if you don't take care of yourself, no one else will. And I love that quote from your book because until we realize no one will take care of you, no one is going to save you. There has to be a moment where we realize if we don't step forward, no one else will on our behalf, or if someone else steps forward on our behalf, what kind of interest do they have in us? Where's the motivation coming from? So we need to more and more learn to be the masters of our own destiny of sorts, and particularly master of our own body and our breath is going to be how we become the master of our own destiny. But what you say about constantly pointing back to ourselves. And, you know, in yoga, they say that suffering is the one thing that wakes us up. And that's why we have pain and suffering in our lives. It is a chance to wake up. And so can we, when we are suffering, whether mentally or physically, we have an injury or we have, you know, I, I never learned how to breathe better than when I got injured recently and how to manage pain using breathing. That was extremely eye-opening, yet another marker of breath's incredible benefits was the fact that I can manage my physical pain and not take Oxycontin and not take these strong medications that are very addictive and have lots of side effects. Even ibuprofen does as well, has side effects that inhibit your healing process. But what does the doctor say? Take those ibuprofen so you can disconnect from your body. <laughs> they don't say that, but that's what it does. So breathing reconnects us with our body and sometimes it's suffering that brings us there. Any kind of challenge in our lives is an opportunity. And so I like to recognize those places and people as windows of opportunity where they're open yeah. to something new. And that's where this beautiful information can start to come in. And like you said, millimeters, centimeters, baby steps. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's an ancient, this idea of wisdom through suffering. It's like what all the ancient Greeks talked about. It's, you know, you go through hard times, you take a, a difficult journey, and you emerge the other side stronger, healthier, happier, because of what you've learned. Of course, you have to survive. I mean, some, and the suffer, and, and just not even watching other people suffer induces a high stress situation. And from high stress comes high sickness, high disease, high aches, high pains. And you're exactly right. The drug root out is no root out. It just leads you to other side effects for more pills. And so that's why we have to recognize 
um, that there is a system in place that benefits some people and does not benefit a lot of people. So how you find your, th I wanna just go back and say this idea of intentional self-care and how important it is to know it's okay. It's not selfish it, to take that time. Maybe it's 10 minutes in the morning to sit and watch your breath. I'm at, you know, or, or 10 minutes in the evening, small amounts of time have big benefits. And yes, your mind attaches to the negative. So you sit, sit down and you say, oh, I, but I can't do this because I, I have to go make lunch. And you, you tell yourself all these stories that aren't true, that is the chatter of the mind. Um, very small, moderate amounts of exercise, breathing, you know, I don't want to say stretching, I like to call it irrigating, where you're just kind of moving, small movements, have tremendous benefit. I don't know why people don't know this. I'm sorry that they don't know it, um, but it's available to them. And I think that, how, I, don't, I don't want to seem non-empathic because there are very big obstacles these days with kids at home and you know difficult times and inflation and gas and there's so much going on there are excuse many many wonderful excuses to not pay attention to yourself but they're all self-sabotage yes so um and 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 the, i think another way to talk about this is the joy that comes you know that's the other thing is that we're not talking about it was it was misinformation to people when they said you had to run marathons and do hours and hours of exercise a day and a week. And they, they made it so punishing that people never found the joy or the sweet spot of moving the body. And it's a, again, it's a failure of another system because all of our sports play involves winning and you know, no pain, no gain and, and pushing kids into athletics in a way that they're not interested in moving their bodies for the rest of their life. They found no joy in it. They just found competition. And so the good news, all of this can be turned around. All of it can be turned around. I do believe that and I know you do too. The system may be against you, but you are uniquely qualified to get on a path of more joy, better health. Yes, I love that. Recognizing the joy of breathing, the joy of movement, just the joy of being in this body, being in nature, being downregulated. Um, I want to go back to that chapter on be a mouth taper, because I'd love to give people some information, some insights, some resources to really sink their teeth into so that, you know, the people here that are listening to this, they are the curious, they are the interested, they do, they are ready on some level to take that next step in their own healing process. And we all know that when one person takes another step in this more holistic view of health that they help others around them. So we can feel good about doing our own self-care, which is not selfish, which is something you mentioned in your book as well, because it radiates from us. It will start to seep out to those around us. We will be a, an example. I also think it's important that people know it's very helpful to be in a community of like-minded thinkers and doers. If uh, it's no fun to just be the only one saying, "Oh, you know, nasal breathing," I've heard that's really good, and everyone says, "Right." If it's so good, why isn't my doctor telling me about it? It can get very lonely out there. So I think, particularly during COVID, for me and some of the things I believed in, steaming, for instance, I believe in a hot steam right up the nose, and uh, so I think good advice to everyone listening is, if you're feeling a little lonely, but still curious, find some other people who believe the way you do and get that support. Because yes, you are, your, you, you are responsible for your own health and well-being, but it's really cozy and warming and loving to be part of a community that shares the benefits. 
Yes. Thank you so much for mentioning that. The fact that it can be lonely when you first come into these practices and then you get so excited about them yourself and you start sharing them and people just look at you with a squinty eye, like you have just come from another planet. So I get that. Um, That's why I moved to California. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So let's talk about the main points in that chapter. I'm going to list them because they're good points and we can touch on any of the ones that you feel inspired to touch on. So the main points in the be a mouth taper, you mentioned that it's the secret weapon and a natural fix that helps protect and uh, prevent physical and mental illness. So the main points are nasal breathing helps us cope with extreme challenges. Nasal breathing boosts your nitric oxide, which we talked about earlier. Your lungs have no muscles and nasal breathing works. So those are the four points and you do go into more detail in your book, but I'd like to know which ones you'd like to share more about here. The first thing I want to share is what mouth taping is, because I'm not sure everyone knows. So um, mouth taping is a technique to ensure that At night, if you go to bed, when you go to bed, and if you put a piece of a paper tape, now you can't use like a sticky adhesive, paper tape across your lips, either horizontal or vertical, you then will be breathing at night in and out of your nose because your mouth is, is taped. When I first read about that, and I read about it in many different books before I dared to try it, um, I, I thought I would wake up dead. <laughs> that was my feeling. I, is this dangerous? Should I tell someone I'm taping my mouth at night? So from the first night, I loved it. I felt like it was, it felt like putting on a warm pair of socks just before you go to sleep, you know, and you get that oozing feeling at your toes. So I've been mouth taping ever since. And it's a, it's a well-established technique for people who want to begin to rewire their brain in a way that will encourage more and more nasal breathing during the day. Because I'm telling you, I've been at it three years now. I feel I'm just in first grade. That's how I feel, but I'm persistent. So uh, yeah, the one point I think I want to emphasize, because again, I I kind of knew it, but it didn't make sense to me until COVID because I was so focused on my lung health is, oh, my lungs have no muscles. So that means I have to move my body in a way that brings energy and fluids and all the different healing nutrients I can get there and a proper gas exchange. All of that happens in the lungs and the lungs have to move, expand, contract in order to get the, get the fire going, you know, to, to get the exchange of, of oxygen, carbon dioxide. So you, that's one of the great things about yoga is all those movements twist and turn your lungs in a way by the supporting muscles. So your lungs are being moved by the muscles around front and back, side and side, and also the diaphragm. The diaphragm is your is a dear friend because it, when the diaphragm lifts up and then goes down, this affects your lungs. And your most of your parasympathetic is in, I think this is the bottom of your lungs. So the more you're moving your, the dome of your diaphragm up and down, the more, efficient your lungs are, and also the more engaged your parasympathetic rest and relax. Do I have that right, teacher? (laughs) Yes. Yes. The parasympathetic is the rest and digest, relax. Sympathetic is that excite, fight, flight. And that's the state we all go around in all the time. And it's why people are not sleeping and people are, are, we are seeing such signs of mental imbalance. Every day they talk about suicide, not just suicide rates going up, but people's anger and rudeness and violence and acts of aggression. This is, com- this is something we have brought upon ourselves by being in such a prolonged state of fear and confusion. And the confusion persists to this day. 
I mean, I, I am addicted to the news. I really don't, I, I taper off, but I stick with it. I look all across the spectrum of the news because that is important. I'm interested in the different narratives that are being expressed. I'm not afraid of them. I want to know what people are hearing. And um, yeah, and I wish they were hearing more about boosting their own immune system. <laughs> That's for sure. And you bring up a good point about this increased um, mental health issue where people are becoming more violent and more angry and more upset. And as other people become that way, it triggers our own fears, our own stresses, and then impacts our breathing dramatically. So I was at the gas station the other day. Of course, gas is close to $6 a gallon here in Northern California. And this is the cheapest gas in town. And there's a long line for it. So we're all burning gas, waiting in line for the cheap gas, which is uh, interesting uh, in and of itself. But there is a, a gentleman who goes to the front of the line and backs his car in to this first spot. And the guy next to him just starts going off on him. Uh, so this is just an example of these triggered um, you know, hair, hairline triggers where we just doesn't take much and people just explode. So immediately I'm in the other lane next to them watching this almost fight ensue. And I notice my breathing immediately. I stop breathing, my belly's gripping. And that's from the, the years and decades of training that I have. But then I look around at other people and I wonder, wow, how are they breathing? How is this they're not even part of this duo who's fighting it out over there, but they're just in this, in the air. It's, it's in the soup that we're in and they're all holding their breath and stressing out. And how do you think that everybody in that situation left that situation? If we all had this tool of breathing, could you imagine how that would have been so different and it wouldn't have rippled out to so many people to begin with. Could you imagine how the guy at the pump who did a transgression, of course he backed his car at the front of the line, okay. But the guy who called him out in our society would probably be looked at as a hero. Being the aggressor and yelling at him whereas you know we, we even just champion that kind of um, hero mentality is not helping at all but but let's go back to the breath when as soon as i saw that situation to even know that the breathing is going to calm my nervous system and when one person is able to calm their nervous system that also ripples out and i really want people to know that um, because of the state we find ourselves in that even if everybody in that gas station didn't have the awareness of breathing, they are getting the benefit of someone being aware of their breathing and that energy being dissipated outward or rippling outward. Yes. So we can all have an impact when we have to start with ourselves, no matter what other people are doing. So I think for me, having that kind of, you know, what you talk about as far as being a secret weapon, it is a weapon, but it's a weapon of, of the highest kind. What do you think about that as far as breathing being a secret weapon and how else it might be used? And what are the ways that we can use it in our daily lives? The level, as you said, we're in the soup. Uh, confusion, fear, chaos, war, rising gas prices. I want to find out where that gas is for under $6 because I haven't found it yet. So the only thing we can to turn to that we can count on is this body. And I don't want to exclude family and friends from this from the circle of light we need to create because I think it's important to get the support, we talked about this. But no, it's you and your body and that you have to come to rely on. Um, you know, you're born alone and you're gonna die alone and no time soon, but you wanna, you wanna die in, I think in the best, most balanced state you can. 
And we're not only are we fighting mental illness, but I think I read the other day that one in five kids um, diagnosed with somewhere on the spectrum of autism. Um, now, if, if, if you really want to depress yourself now, you could point to all the chemicals that are in the air and the water and the plastics and the amount of asthma. I mean, it's, it's a parade of horribles. But what I'm going to suggest is the only remedy to that is to go to a place of calmness in your own body, body awareness, breath awareness. This is not my opinion. I'm just, as a journalist, echoing the teachings that we know to be true about the body. This is physiology. You know, the mind and the body are connected by the breath. And that would be a really good way to start kids off in school every day and adults too. But of course, they're not believing it because it's not coming from their trusted doctors unless you really find a special doctor. So then you come to this other arena can, can offer fantastic support. Physical therapists, I think, uh, it, you know, at least they have an incentive to help people understand body awareness, uh, breath awareness. I, I don't, it's, it's, it is, it's the key. So it, I guess I, I don't want it to be a secret weapon. Just need to explore, get that light out. <laughs> get, to get the light out and the light within and go exploring. And you just find the miracle of the body. I, I've been interested. I used to tell people when I was a kid, I think in high school, I would say, oh, I want to be a doctor. I really want to be a doctor because I was so intrigued by the miracle of this body. And I never occurred to me to take a single medical <laughs> pre-med course in college. And I never was a doctor and I'm so glad I'm not. But I did write about medical matters. And I'm glad I'm free of this system where so many doctors are um, lack training in healing and also something you've touched on self-healing to just know that 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 little acre pain and I get them I get them still I, I just the other day I overdid something in yoga I think and just got a little tightness and restriction here from range of motion and like you I didn't want to run to a doctor or a pill I, I knew that I could bring movement back to it by directing it with my breath, by visualizing, by bringing fluid, I call it irrigation. That's, that's uh, I, I think people, if they forget stretching, just think about irrigating your body. And sure enough, over time, after a couple of days, it was back, I was back to, you know, range of motion. So uh, just that the body is self-healing, just think of how much money people would save. I love that. It's not just a health, benefit but it can also benefit your pocketbook immensely now we won't get into that but um well, i wanted to the problem we're describing that we've been talking around and about is because i i have come to believe we do have a for-profit system in this country it's not like this other places in the world people should know and by the way um the system that we have we were very unhealthy as a nation to begin with before COVID. It's no surprise we've taken such a big hit. I think according to um, best references of Bloomberg Health Index, and I, I cited in the book, America is 35th. The United States of America is 35th in nations ranking for people's health. And um, happiness and well-being, we even take a bigger hit. Yes. So you know, it, there is work to be done on the system, but meanwhile, turn inward. Turning inward and really get practical information that you can apply, that's easy to apply to your daily life, like three deep breaths, something yeah. really simple. And you mentioned that in your book. And there are 40 other uh, chapters in here that offer these sort of bite size. And this is another reason why I love the book because it's bite sized pieces. Um, it's not a huge novel, but you can literally take a little snack of your health and wellness for the day. You could take 40 days, read 
one little chapter a day, something like that. Um, but things like that, that make it really doable for people who are busy, people who are distracted. I mean, it's hard enough to even read a, a three or four page chapter. So you can feel really accomplished in your book because you can get through one chapter, you know, in about five, 10 minutes and have your bite of wellness for your day and use that as a practice for that day. So I wanted to say thank you for, for being here. That's the end of our time, but I wanted to also give you a platform just to say, is there any other last bit of advice or inspiration you'd like to give our listeners here yes <laughs> and and thank you for all you've said and just the whole conversation you've brought out so many wonderful points um we haven't we didn't talk much about technology we talked about being in the soup of misguided medical directives and other things that have oppressed us and confused us but technology is taking a huge toll and you, you know, we talked about body awareness and self-awareness. Just be aware that this, these devices that now run our lives, they were created to be addictive. They, they, they figured out how to make them addictive and changed our, this world in so many ways. Yes, some good ways, no question. And some other ways that have undermined our intelligence and in some ways our freedom. It's what addictive devices do. So I, I guess what I want to say is, is it be, turn it off sometimes. It's okay. I, I grew up, I'm old enough to predated the computers. I have an analog brain in a digital world. And it's just want to let, make people aware that you can turn this device off and you need to turn it off. And it is affecting your brain and it is giving uh, a lot of distraction, these sm small chapters you mentioned. Yeah, small chapters because people's attention is, is less than it used to be. And it's okay, you know, we, we have to adapt and survive, but you be in control. That's what I want to say. Putting the control back into our hands, back into our lap and taking it back. And that's really yeah. our own power. And our own power is really where we can make those changes on the inside that are so needed for our health and well-being, rather than searching always on the outside. So thank you for being a huge advocate for decades and decades, always. So what I love about you, Marilyn, is you're so passionate and you're so curious at the same time. You're curious and passionate to learn more and more about how to do these self-care practices in a way that honor this body, this mind, this spirit. You can get this book at Amazon, but also please check out your local bookstores first. Also, you can visit SiennaSmith.com for more information on breathing and yoga practices that can bring you back to your own center and your own power. Thanks again, Marilyn, and we'll see you all in the next episode.